When I was growing up, one of my responsibilities was to make my bed. I realized that this is probably not a unique experience, that I was instead being welcomed into a vast community of bed makers throughout the world and across time. However, that does not mean that I joined this community without resistance. Rather, I questioned the very practice of bed making. When almost without fail, the bed was fated to become unmade that very night. It seemed like an awful lot of effort to do something that one was already planning to undo. Impressed with my logic, I employed it to argue against other tasks to which I was called by parental authority. Although I gave in on washing dishes, it was more hygienic to eat off clean dishes and with clean utensils, and I could see where it would be a financial hardship to buy new for each meal. Still, I vigorously challenged such duties as raking leaves, at least until every last leaf had fallen from the trees in our and in our neighbors' yards, and by that time, maybe we would have snow in Iowa, and you can't very well rake in the snow. And dusting the furniture? Please! I can see more dust particles in the air when the sun shines through the window. Particles just waiting to land wherever I've cleaned. Things fall apart and decompose. You can't fight entropy. We are dust, and to dust we shall return, says it right in the book of Genesis. You're asking me to go up against the very plan of creation every Saturday morning, armed with nothing but a clean rag and some lemon pledge. (laughs) Needless to say, my parents were unimpressed by my airtight arguments, and I ended up carrying out all these, to me, quite pointless tasks. Truth is, of course, I was mostly wedded to my impeccable logic only so that I could get out of the chores, but I can now look back from the oh-so-mature standpoint of older adulthood and see how I can still get caught up in that reasoning. Basically, I was saying for something to matter, it should have long-lasting effects, certainly longer than a matter of hours making a bed or a few days raking the leaves or the next Saturday morning when I would be asked once again to dust the furniture. To truly make a difference, my work should change things such that they did not return to the original unsatisfying state which I worked to change in the first place, right? Maybe you see where I'm going with this. And maybe not. In the present political climate in this country and across the world, it is sometimes difficult to believe that all of the struggles for justice and equity and human rights in the past have made a meaningful difference. Rather than forging ahead in a steady march toward more love, more justice, more peace, we seem to be scrambling to slow down a decisive rollback in the most basic rights that we imagined would at least continue to be upheld in principle, if not in practice. And listen, I'm not saying that the hypocrisy involved in upholding a principle while failing to practice it is a good thing, but if the society purportedly agrees upon the principle, it at least provides an opportunity for a clear challenge to practice it. 
That's what Martin Luther King Jr. was so brilliant at articulating. Here, folks, this is what is said in your founding documents and repeated in your famous speeches and claimed in your patriotic celebrations. This is what you say. Now, what are you going to do? But what happens when the fundamental principles are questioned? Where does one start then? For instance, the Senate passed a resolution in a unanimous vote just this last Thursday. A unanimous vote. That in itself is news, right? Here is an excerpt from that document that comes after all of the whereases. Resolved that the Senate affirms that the press is not the enemy of the people. Reaffirms the vital role that the free press serves to inform the electorate, uncover the truth, act as a check on the inherent power of the government, further national discourse and debate, and otherwise advance the most basic and cherished democratic norms and freedoms of the United States. And condemns the attacks on the institution of the free press and views efforts to systematically undermine the credibility of the press as an attack on the democratic institutions of the United States. And it is the sense of the Senate that it is the sworn responsibility of all who serve the United States by taking the oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States to uphold, cherish, and protect the entire Constitution, including the freedom of the press. End quote. The Senate, on Thursday of last week, affirms that the press is not the enemy of the people. It is the sense of the Senate that all who take the oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States should actually support and defend that Constitution in its entirety, including the freedom of the press. That's all good stuff. But the fact that we need to reaffirm that very basic principle at this late date is just a tad alarming, don't you think? The fact that this Senate felt it necessary to do that and the fact that they were reaffirming this principle and defending the freedom of the press in response to the words and actions attacking the institution of the free press and undermining its credibility by the President of the United States, that this Senate actually came together to remind President Trump of his oath and what that oath actually means. And listen, I don't mean to appear naive. I realize presidents have had battles with the press throughout history. I realize that the freedom of the press in the present day has to be understood in context with corporate control of media outlets and the undue influence of moneyed interests. I understand that while the resolution calls upon the president to carry out his sworn responsibility, it gives no indication of what will happen if he doesn't. But I still find it shocking that the principle of a free press is a controversial proposition to the extent that a timid, to put it kindly, a timid Senate feels that such a resolution is in order. The importance of a free press, really? 
Didn't we already hash that out? Isn't that a given? Do we really have to dust, rake, make the bed again? And if that sounds a little whiny, that is maybe because it is. I realize I am speaking from a privileged place. Straight, white, cisgender, elderly, educated, male, just check all those boxes. I realize that when I cry out, do we have to fight these battles again? There are people ready to point out that the struggle has never ceased and that the extent to which I imagined it had ended in victory is the extent to which I am insulated from what is real. That if I didn't know, it's because I didn't have to know. That if I didn't know, it's because I didn't make an effort to know because maybe I didn't want to know. That if I am surprised by the battles we are fighting again, it's because maybe I didn't have a clear idea of what we are up against. It is possibly a trait of white supremacy to imagine that every fight can and must end in a decisive victory. That the struggle for human rights and justice and equity and compassion can ever come to an end at all. That if I choose to engage, it is with the expectation that, dang it, it will make a difference. Which means I won't have to be back here tomorrow or next week or next year doing the same damn thing. What do I imagine we are up against? May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations, I say many Sundays. We remind ourselves of our highest aspirations so that we may address our lowest inclinations. That's all part of being human. We are not so much trying to change things or change circumstances or change governments or change political trends. We are out to change ourselves, to nurture spiritual growth and encourage that which is best in us. We are out not only to achieve or ensure or to win justice, but to practice it such that it becomes a part of all we do. We are out not to hurry up and finish the work so that we may celebrate, but to inspire joy in the midst of the ongoing struggle. Service not only reveals a larger vision of life, right Ram Das and Paul Gorman, but steadily moves us along and supports us in our efforts to realize that vision. Each time we seek to respond to appeals for help, we are being shown where we must grow in our sense of unity and what inner resources we can call upon to do so. Service itself reveals a larger vision of life. Each time we seek to respond to appeals for help, each time we work to expand freedoms, to protect rights, to demand justice, we are being shown where we must grow in our own sense of unity and what inner resources we can call upon to do so. Justice work is a kind of spiritual practice. And we don't practice so we can stop doing something but so that we can do it better, so that it comes naturally, so that we may improve our proficiency and strengthen our capability and become more creative and courageous in our performance of it. 
Does it make a difference? Yes. Even when the whole world seems to have conspired to tell us that it doesn't, it makes a difference. It makes a difference not because things have fallen into place exactly the way we had pictured, but because we have committed ourselves to the task. And in the work, a larger vision of life is revealed. And that vision sends ripples out in all directions, inviting others to the work. Practice. I love the very simple Zen story of the student who comes to the master seeking enlightenment and the master asks, have you eaten breakfast? And the student says, yes. And the master says, then wash your bowl. And the student was enlightened. I love that. It's a variation on the chop wood, carry water idea, perhaps. Yes. Do the next thing that needs doing. Wash the bowl, chop the wood, carry the water, dust the furniture, rake the leaves, make the bed, find our tools for the work ahead, the hammer to hammer out justice, the wrench to turn the world. But do not be discouraged if it doesn't turn on our timeline. The duct tape to hold together our broken hearts when the world does not turn on our timeline or does not turn in the direction we are pulling, but rather roughly pushes the other way. Tape our broken hearts. We understand broken hearts. We do. When the world turns against us and the powers of fear and hatred and suspicion grind people under their heavy tread, we get to be sad. We just don't get to give up. Grab our tools. Don't wait for assurances that we will never have to do this again. We will. Don't count on victory. It is not required that we be winning, but only that we be willing. Don't even wait on hope. Just wipe the tears away knowing they will come again and be grateful for our companions in the struggle and let our highest aspirations transform our lowest inclinations for each time this happens. Our faith in that part of ourselves which is intimately related to the rest of the universe is strengthened and we have found a way to make a difference. <laughs>